As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. All right, welcome back. This is 1% Better. Zach Kiefer, James Boyd, you guys know the drill. The Indianapolis Colts lost another one on Sunday. Sam Ellinger's NFL debut. A heartbreaker, really, for those that watched and were at the game at Lucas Oil Stadium. 17-16. to Walking out of the stadium late last night, James, after I filed, I really thought to myself, this team should have won this game by 14 points, by 10 points, by double digits. That doesn't matter in this league. You know that. Fans of this team know that. This team is a weekly disappointment at this point. And to say they should have won the game undermines the fact that this is a team that finds a way to beat itself every single week. What was your takeaway yesterday from both Sam's performance and this team that is, frankly, going nowhere? I thought Sam did pretty well. I know he had the fumble, which just seems to be a Colts quarterback thing at this point. Doesn't matter who's in there, they're going to fumble the ball. You looked at the replay pretty closely. It didn't look like anybody hit that out. Yeah, no one hit it. He tried to squeeze it and literally just lost the ball. So that's an egregious mistake. I believe he was at the 23-yard line, the 20, somewhere around there. Him and JT both had fumbles, you know, inside 25-yard line. But I thought he made enough plays for them to win. And quite honestly, he wasn't on his back as much because he could move. And he got out of a few sacks. So that helped. But my thought walking out of the stadium, you know, was for as much change that game with Sam being in there for Matt Ryan, Shaquille Leonard, you know, returning and getting a pick, only takeaway of the game, all of that. And they still got 16 points, which is their average going into the game, 16.1. And they're the same team. That's kind of my conclusion. Like you can switch up the personnel and try to sell the fans or the team on Sam Ellinger being this different guy or new guy, and he's got these running abilities and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, this team will always make mistakes to hurt itself. It will not score points. It will expect the defense to be perfect, which the defense, you know, really did collapse in the fourth quarter. I will say that they have been great all game. The fourth quarter was a different story, but it is what it is. This is how the Colts uh, usually perform at this point. 
from a micro standpoint, I thought Sam Elgar was pretty good. Like he wasn't going to set the world on fire. I thought he made some NFL throws. I think that's the encouraging part. I don't think I was walking out of there saying that was a colossal mistake. This guy can't play. They're totally tanky. Oh, no, no, not at all. Now, he didn't light the world on fire by any means. He was never going to do that. But I was I was fairly impressed with Sam. The Pierce shot for 47 yards late in the third quarter was the biggest pass play of the season. He definitely avoided some sacks. He avoided some pressures. He got out of the walls closing in, which really nearly killed Matt Ryan for seven games. So let's give some credit to Sam. You can't get away with this without knocking him for the fumble. There's no excuse for that. This team needs to stop killing itself. Now, seven games in, I'm not sure they're going to. I asked Paris Campbell about that about an hour ago, and he's like, look, the good thing is we've been, no one's doing this to us. We're making these. These are self-inflicted. These can all be fixed, but they got to be fixed now. It's been, what, eight weeks? Yeah, Paris, it's been eight weeks, and, and this is who you are as a team right now. You're a team that that beats yourself. But at this point, on a macro level, like, where is this going? Like, they're just running in circles. You pretty much said it pretty well. Like, no matter how much they change, they're still the same team. And this team's going nowhere. They're not going to compete with the Tennessee Titans for the AFC South. They're not going to find a magic pill at the offensive line. The defense has been good. They weren't good enough to finish yesterday when it mattered that pass rush couldn't get home and they're three, four and one. And I don't see it getting any better with some of the teams on the schedule coming up the next couple of weeks. It feels like, and this might be crazy. It feels like losses are more valuable because this team needs to find a way into the top 10 in the draft and find a new quarterback thoughts on that. Yes. Let's be real. Um, That's going to be a long couple of weeks, man. Long yeah, nine. I weeks said this, even if Sam Ellinger played, well or steps in and plays well going forward i don't think he's your quarterback of the future i don't think you bank the betterment of your, of your franchise on him no disrespect to him i think he did pretty well but if there's a possibility to get a transcendent guy in the top 10 of the draft gotta do it by stacking up losses you have to pull a trigger and i'll say this too he played well yesterday, but now the element of surprise or whatever surprise you had is gone. There's tape out there now. And as we know, this league, maybe more than any other, but I know there's, I know this league for sure, they watch every single thing and break down every single tendency. I mean, it's not like the NBA where you have 82 games to break down. Well, you're breaking down a game. You have a week to look at film on another opponent and for Everyone out there, they're going to know Sam Ellinger now. Ellinger, rather, I'm sorry. And I do think that, again, he had some positive moments. Zaire Franklin was saying, you know, he, he showed us something. Of course, we would have wanted him to come in and throw for 350 and three touchdowns. But he was like, it's not, we basically said more or less, it's not realistic. He's still learning. He's still adjusting. And he gave us a chance with some of the deep balls. And he, you know, was confident. But at the end of the day, confidence, a few deep balls, it still amounted to a loss. I feel like this locker room, one, it's always quiet after a loss. This was different. Yesterday felt different because when we finally did go in there, and it wasn't like we were, you know, taking forever. We talked directly like we usually do and then went right back to the locker room. It was pretty much like a ghost town. I couldn't believe how few players were in there. Maybe 10, maybe 12, maybe 15. Yeah. And so, you know, I stuck around and talked to who I could, but it just feels like, this team is defeated. And that's how Frank Reich sound yesterday. Like he's had some moments this season. 
But man, did he look just defeated on that podium yesterday. It was in his voice. Every question, um, he answered it, but it was just like, we're asking the same things we've asked since week one. So I don't know. I, I just think that this team is not really headed anywhere and they're kind of just running in place. And as Bob Kravitz pointed out in his column, it probably behooves you to just stack the losses up because realistically, how many games does Sam Ellinger, you know, lead you to lead you to victory in? They can spin this as a spark, right? Sam is supposed to be a spark. Sam is supposed to be, we're going to find something in, in him. We're going to try and see if we have something in him, but, the body language and the tone of voice the last couple of days and the last week really, really has told me where this team is and how far they've fallen since the beginning of the season. Beginning of the season, they're talking playoffs. They're talking the first division title since 2014. And now you've got players who are openly frustrated with the move to move away from Matt Ryan. There's no doubt in my mind that some of the veterans on this team were unhappy with that move. You've got an offensive line that's not playing well, and we'll get into that in a minute. You've got a quarterback who's finding his way, and and they love Sam Ellinger, and it's it's easy to love Sam Ellinger, and I thought he he played pretty well considering the situation yesterday. But this is the Washington Commanders, who are equally as bad, and have a clone at Sam Ellinger and Taylor Heineke at quarterback. And give Heineke credit for making that play late. What a great ball to Terry McLaurin! But they're playing the New England Patriots on Sunday, a team the Colts haven't beaten in Foxborough since I was in college. That was 2006. They play the Eagles in a couple weeks at home who have not lost a game all year and might easily run up 40 points. It's very easy to see this getting worse in the next couple of weeks. And it's very easy to see in their body language and in the tone of voice and in what they're saying. Shaq Leonard getting feisty with you yesterday. Kenny Moore revealing this weird hand injury. Naheem Hines saying we walked up and down the field and we can only score 16 points. Like these guys are pissed off. They're tired of answering our questions. They're tired of making the same mistakes. And they're starting to realize that this is not going to just get better. And this is not fixed. This is a flawed roster. The coach hasn't figured it out. They made a big change at quarterback. That's not going to save the season. And the defense can't play perfect. And it's just going to be sad when you write the epitaph on this 2022 season. Because on paper in August, it could have been something. I still believe that. There were holes. We talked about those. But... I'm sitting here on Halloween and it just doesn't seem like it's going to get any better by the time we get to January 8th or 9th or 10th or whenever that last game is against Houston. But let me run down some of these numbers, James, and, and let's get into this because this is something you're going to work on. Jonathan Taylor was back yesterday. He looked like himself early. He had a couple chunk runs. The run game was going. Then he came out with an ankle injury. It is the same ankle is he the same player right now that the Colts had in 2021? Because he literally won games by himself last year. And now this is one of the worst offenses in the league in terms of running the ball. And it's just unbelievable to me. He doesn't look like it. I think part of that is you have, you know, some, some injury issues. He's missed two games with the right ankle injury. There's um, a after toe his in longest, there as well. Right. And then after his longest um, run of the season yesterday, he comes up lame because someone, you know, kind of rolled up on him. So I kind of look at him and Shaquille Leonard sort of in this like mirrored type of thing where do we look back on this in a few years and be like, hey, this was kind of like their lost season because of the issues, because of the injuries. Obviously, Shaquille Leonard's injuries have been much more, you know, substantial and he's missed much more time. But 
it just feels like one, the team hasn't played well. And then two, you haven't been getting a chance to really find your footing and, and play well because you're dealing with injuries. And with JT, you have to, you know, I know Frank was like, we'll reevaluate it and see how he's doing. And of course, knowing JT is going to want to play, but you do have to think about, okay, you know, if this guy's going to be around for us in the future, um, we have to make sure we protect his long-term health and don't, you know, run him out there dealing with an ankle that's not 100 percent and then it gets you know gets nicked up or rolled up again and it gets worse we'll see what happens but you know we had some interesting numbers man like they're not facing the the you know eight men in the box anymore because i mean quite frankly the offensive line why put eight in the box when you can't block four it's five? simple football like every team knows they can win up front against this offensive line the the percentage of runs the Colts have against eight or more men in the box I mean the Titans are obviously number one because of Derrick Henry they were 10th most last year 43 percent of the time they faced eight or more men this year they faced that 21 percent of the time that's the lowest rate in the league teams are not scared of the offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts at all that's what that tells me their first down rate is way down. 30% of their runs last year went for first downs, just 21% this year. They had 22 rushing touchdowns through eight games this year. They just have three. They only have three. Their yards per attempt is down. Their yards per game are down. And this is a telling one right here. Last year, yards before contact, 1.7, ninth best in the league. That's a lot, right? 1.7 is, is a good chunk of time on the field before you get hit. Now it's just one yard, one yard before they get hit. That's 27th in the league. It's just different. And it's it's not as simple as saying they miss Jack Doyle. They miss Mark Lewinsky. They miss Chris Reed. They miss Eric Fisher in the run game. It's all of them. And the staggering part and the part I don't have an answer for, and I'm going to try and find out this week, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, all three have taken a step back this season. And that really, among ev everything else, that really – has been the reason this team has struggled so much this season. Right there, those three. Absolutely. I mean, and looking at JT just specifically, you know, of, of running backs with at least 50 carries this season, he's faced the third lowest percentage of eight-man boxes, which is 21.5%. If you'd have told us going into the season, you yeah, know, one out of every five year, times. 2,100 yards. Only one out of five times he's faced eight-man in the box. We would think that he had another great season. but That would assume that the guys up front, are not getting bulldozed, and they are. I mean, yesterday, let's go back to the the third and one. You know, the third and inches from the from the one, right? Like, first of all, they line up in shotgun. I hate that. We asked about it after the game. Frank Reich says, you know, that's one of our go-to plays. We really like that play. Okay, that's fine. If you guys block, they didn't block. It had no hope. It had no hope at all. So you set up for a field goal. That was the story of the game. That was the story of the game. They could not step on the throats of the commanders when they needed to. Pittman could have got into the end zone, I thought, and he didn't on that one. And that's what led to that third and one call. But why not just line up, you know, in a single back formation and just run it up the gut? But that's me. And it's easy to second guess. But that's the recurring theme with this team this season. They cannot figure out ways to get into the red zone. They're 26th in the league right now in, in the red zone right now. And it's just they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. But even when they get down there, Zach, I mean, JT, for example, he, he finally kind of breaks through yesterday after some, you know, middling kind of weeks and he fumbles. You can't have that. You cannot have that. He had reached the second level. It was guaranteed basically first down at least. 
and you cough it up. And that wasn't unlike the the fumble he had a few weeks ago where he kind of got rolled up on. I believe like that fumble was like, hey, this dude's on my ankle and I'm like sort of like hurting right yeah, now. Yeah, so he was in the said, pile of 50 guys. Yeah, and the pain kind of kicks in and you let the ball go. I know people are going to say, hang on to the football, but you try hanging on to it when you're getting crumpled in the opposite direction. But the fumble he had yesterday was just bad. I mean, it was a great play by the defender, put his helmet around on the ball, but I can give credit to the defense, but also criticize the offense and say, hey, you have to figure out a way to not allow that to happen. And it just felt like, again, those are the margins of error in a game where you lose by one point. You mentioned Michael Pittman Jr. If you're the guy, you got to get in the end zone on that play. Don't leave it up to, you know, a next play. And I get it. It's, it's harsh criticism. It's, and I'm, I'm sitting here and never played football before criticizing. But I mean, how many times do you think he's going to get in on that play? I love the play design. Let's get, let's get into that. So a player years ago told me this, and I've always remembered it. He said, look, everybody in this league is really, really good at football. Everybody, even the guys you don't think are good. They're really good. Oftentimes, games are decided by the best five players on each team. Let's talk about the best five players on the Colts team because they all screwed up in some way on Sunday. Michael Pittman Jr., not getting in on that play, but secondly, the drop at the end of the game. That was an absolute great throw. It was a Dime. great throw from Sam Elgar. I think he would have caught it around the 45, maybe gotten to the 50 if he was able to get out of bounds. I think they would have needed maybe 9 or 10 or 15 more yards to feel safe, but Chase McLaughlin's been great indoors. I like his chances from 55 or so. You would have needed a little bit more egregious mistake for Pittman to drop that late in the fourth quarter. I know that time was tight, but you've got to make that play. He was livid after this and did not even talk to reporters after the game. So that's Pittman's mistake. JT, we talked about the fumble. The Colts fumbled twice inside the Commanders 25. That's how you lose games. That's how you lose games in this league. You cannot have your best players making those kinds of mistakes. Stephon Gilmore letting that McLaurin catch at the end of the game. I, I thought it was a good effort. He fought for like eight seconds. That's tough, man. That's tough on an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I spoke to him about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what did he say? Because the rush should have gotten home, man. They Some of them just kind of stood up at the end, and I thought yeah. they kind of quit on the play. He said it was bad situational football. From everyone, he wasn't saying, like, it was my fault, their fault. He, and then, but he did say, you know, I was covering for like 10 seconds. It's a long time. And, you know, I, I, but I got to make that play. I got to make that play. Both things are true. And how much do you trust Gilly in the situation? Because he's done it. This season, when the game's on the line, they have two wins because of him. Kansas City and in Denver, he had the game-winning deflection. And quite honestly, for a split second there, and he actually had his hands on the ball, he had the game-winning pick. And then, you know, uh, Terry McLaurin just rips it out of his hands and has probably the play of his young career. But I do think that there's something to be said about a defense Folding like that, because, I, I mean, you've played well the entire game, but you folded on the last drive, one that Shaq Leonard felt like he should have been in for. Um, that's another story we can get into. He's next but, on the list, uh, right? Again, like you have to play perfect as a defense. And remember, this happened last week against, excuse me, two weeks ago against Jacksonville, right? They let the Jaguars march down with two third and long conversions, a fourth and long conversion, and score a touchdown. Now the Colts came out of it because the offense finally made a play, at the end, but the defense has put a lot of the, the offense has put a lot of pressure on the defense and the defense has been good, but not great, but they didn't end it yesterday. They didn't end it. And then earlier in the game, speaking of Shaq Leonard, I was a little hesitant to, to figure out whose assignment it was because I've been wrong about this before, but you did talk to Shaq 
the first touchdown, the guy walked right in, busted coverage. He said it was his fault, correct? Yes, he did. I asked him, not even if it was his fault. I just said, what did you see on the play? It looked like there was some miscommunication. <laughs> in true uh, Shaq fashion, he owned it and then, you know, took a shot and was like, yeah, me being the leader, I, I'll, I'll own that. I, you know, it's my fault. You know, got to communicate better. But you all say I can't cover anybody or can't, you know, can't cover. So go and write that. I know that's what you want to write. And it's like, no, I don't really want to write that. I was just genuinely curious as to what happened on the play. Yeah, part and of again, our job is to find out what happened. And speaking to what you said, I didn't want to assume it was his fault or anybody's fault. That's why I asked, hey. It's not always as know, simple as what you see on the field. Exactly. But to his credit, he did answer questions from every, all of us. He owned yeah, it. Yeah, and not every guy um, did that. Right. And he, in my mind, made up for it because he, he got the only takeaway of the game. And I didn't include this in the story. I didn't even tweet this out. I talked to Zaire about Shaquille Leonard being back, getting an interception. And he's like, man, that's the only time I was mad at him for getting an interception because he was like, that thing was floating right to me. I was going to say, if he didn't get it, Zaire was going to get it. Right. And he's like, man, he's, I seen this dude had like 50 takeaways. And the one time I'm about to get mine, he comes and steals it. So he was kind of joking. Like, he's like, I don't know if this guy has like a lucky rabbit's foot in his pocket or what. He said, the ball just comes to him. And uh, he said, but it was cool to see him make a play to be back out there. Me and Shaquille had talked about it Friday. And he was saying like how trying the season has been and how, you know, he was like, when I go home, my daughters kind of keep me grounded and kind of keep me from losing my mind, so to speak. And he's like, hopefully I can make a play on the Jumbotron so my oldest can see it. And uh, of course, he I was like, wow, I don't know if he could see the future or something like that. The ball literally get, I, I believe it got tipped. I forget by who, but it fluttered and, and he caught it and made a huge play. I think it was tight yeah. with and the then, pressure. I believe two or three plays later, they score. They go up um, 16 to seven. I believe it was about 12 minutes left in the game. I'm thinking they're going to win. And they collapse. And then I will say to add literally insult to injury, Taekwon making that play and then leaving the game later on with the knee injury that we now know is season ending just kind of compounds a bad loss. You know, you got nothing to show for it. And now you're down a guy who, you know, Bobby Okereke was saying was playing the best football of his life. And he really had some big plays throughout the season. He was playing really well. So he gets a tip on the pass, a kill inter intercepts it, and, you know, later in the game, Taekwon's ruled out, um, gets carted off. And we kind of knew if it was something serious because he immediately waved over for the trainers. And now, you know, from Frank Reich, he tells us he's torn his patellar tendon in his left knee, which is the same injury he had last season in his right knee. He's out for the season again. And so it just feels like a, a really big loss considering, again, how marginal these wins and losses have been. And then you lose a guy who have been making plays for you throughout the season. Bobby O'Karake said he played the best football of his life this season. I mean, it just feels like this this thing is, is sort of slipping away from the Colts. Um, obviously, injuries, you can't control that type of stuff, but the things they could control, they did not. I mean, to, to blow a 16-7 lead with, you know, with 12 minutes left against a team that hadn't scored their backup quarterbacks in there, to fumble, again, twice inside the 25-yard line, to – have the drop by Pittman, you know, across the middle. It just seems like there's always something that stunts the success of this team. And I know Paris Campbell said it today, like it's the good thing is how he kind of phrased it. And, and I don't mean that in a mocking way, like Paris is always going to try to look at that positive angle like any player would. And he's like, they're all on us. But at this point, on us means this is who you are. I mean, you're eight games in. 
I would kind of see it if we were five games in. That's kind of leads you to my limit, I guess. But eight games, that's about halfway through the season. So at this point, you are who you are. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. To put a bow on that, that's four of your best players, probably your best four players. Gilmore lets the big completion. Leonard allows the first touchdown. Pittman with the drop late, 28 with the fumble early. I can't think of anyone else besides Buckner and Grover. Those guys have been playing their asses off every single week. And the shame of this season is it's going nowhere, and Grover Stewart is playing some terrific football at a position that's often overlooked. Beast. He's a beast. He's a beast. But... That's the reality. And if those four players don't play better, if your best players don't play well, you're going nowhere. And we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and I know you weren't on the beat, but twice in the last five years, this team has rallied from very, very poor starts to get into playoff position. Yes. One year they did it and they went to the divisional round and lost to the Chiefs. And then last year they collapsed at the end. But early on, I remember saying this, like it doesn't feel like this is going to turn. They don't have the right ingredients. They don't have this thing that's going to help them magically turn around. They don't have an offensive line shuffle that's just going to suddenly change things. And it hasn't because we were right about that. I mean, this team, they're going nowhere. They're just a bad offensive team. They're, they're they 30th, can't score. They're 30th the in the league in points. They should have won 32-16 yeah. to six, to 16 yesterday or 32-17. to 17. Yeah, That's my thing, Zach. I mean, like, it should have been score, no questions like... asked. It would have been a nice debut for Sam Ellinger. He would have been the first Colts quarterback to win his debut since Chris Chandler in 1988, for God's sakes. But they couldn't. They couldn't do that because of what you said, because of who they are. They are a team that is going in circles, that is built poorly, that is being coached poorly, and that is not going to change as the season progresses. This is just going to continue. And now we're looking at seven wins? Like, wouldn't you rather win five? And I can't believe I'm having that conversation on Halloween but that's the reality, and and they can spin this however they want, saying that you know they made this move to Sam because they believe in him, and they love Sam, and I think he's a great kid. I think he'll probably end up being a really good backup in this league, but to say he's going to change your offense is just naive. It's just naive. I mean, the kid did everything he could behind an offensive line yesterday that played maybe a little bit better, but this team's inability to score, like you said, is just staggering. It's just staggering. Those drives are so hard for them to get down into the red zone. And then what do they do? Twice yesterday, they fumble. I mentioned in my story, the only touchdown they scored yesterday was after the Shaq pick. Right. And the, how short was that field? Exactly. And now he, he ran it back to, I believe, the Washington 24. So, again, that really alleviates a lot of your pressure. And that's why takeaways are so important. 
in these games, especially for, for this offense, but to expect this offense to, you know, be competent enough, be consistent enough to drive down the field twice a game, you know, for 75 yards, 80 yards and score is just unrealistic to me. And that's the main thing we can, you know, get into all the quote unquote analytics, <laughs> but, and I say that tongue in cheek, but to me, just rudimentary understanding of the game. This team cannot score. When you cannot score, you're not going to win in any sport. And that's the bottom line. So they've had some explosive plays. They had some big plays yesterday. But when you cannot punch it in for touchdowns, you're not going to win very often in this league. And I just think it's going to be, you know, some more uphill battles as the season continues. And I know players in the locker room, will never, ever, ever tank as far as like their effort. Because I mean, if you tank, that means a guy could possibly come and take your job. So they're going to try to win. But from a franchise perspective, from a macro level perspective, it does them no good to end the season with seven wins, eight wins, because that just means you're going to end up being in that middle of the pack of the draft where you draft a middle of the pack player who cannot change your franchise. That's what they need. They need a franchise changer someone who can come in, be the guy, build around that person and go from there. So one interesting thing is that, you know, the trade deadline is coming up tomorrow, actually. And so it will be interesting to see if the Colts make any moves as far as, in my opinion, being sellers. I could not see them being buyers. Yeah, they're not trading means. for anybody. Um, but selling is, is, is a possibility in my eyes just because, again, five wins is better than seven or eight. The reality with that is, and this is a very delicate line they're going to have to tiptoe, is if you trade away one of your very good players, that is an obvious omission that you are trying to get worse. And that is not publicly what they have said. They've said all the right things. We're trying to win with Sam. It's still in front of us. There's still nine games to go. But if you trade a Ryan Kelly, if anyone wants his contract, or a Kenny Moore, and these are just names I'm throwing out, then that's an obvious omission that you're willing to lose games. You're willing to lose and games. And then you'll and lose that locker room. Then opinion. you lose the locker room. Then you lose the guys that came here to win, like Stefan Gilmore and DeForest Buckner. And that's hard. And that's hard because you've got a lot of good pieces, regardless of what it looks like every Sunday. You do have talent on this roster, but that's going to be fascinating because Chris Ballard's never done that in his five years, six years as the general manager. He's never sold pieces off with the idea of getting worse before they get better. But they know what they're seeing. They know what they watch. Chris Ballard's one of his favorite quotes is you watch the same games we do. And we're watching a bad football team. And so is he. And he put this team together and he's going to have to answer that answer for that at the end of the season, because he's already had to answer from his owner, Jim Mercer. They've had some heated conversations lately, mainly about the quarterback switch. But I wonder where this goes the next couple of weeks, because they can they can spin all they want that Sam Ellinger was supposed to be the answer and the spark they needed. But if they start shipping key pieces to other cities that tells you they know where this team is and more importantly where it's not going absolutely i mean my biggest thing was if the locker room hasn't been lost just yet and i don't think it has been at least fully i don't think it has been but i think the fractures have started yes because again when you go in the ryan move and it's and it's a go one getting the reaction up until game day pretty much um, they all were pretty shocked. And, I, you know, Jim Ursay had some statements he put out there kind of explaining it, I guess. But to to have quotes out there where you're saying, you know, you don't bench a guy after a win, 
And obviously the 12, you know, uh, turnovers or whatever didn't help or 11 interceptions or nine, 11, nine, nine interceptions and whatever else, three loss fumbles, 12 turnovers doesn't help. Part of me is like, I kind of want to stick a mic in Matt Ryan's face again and see like, are you sure you don't want to, <laughs> you know, kind of not point the finger, but explain that this isn't all on you because, you know, you got Reich saying, you know, he was basically sold a lie. We didn't owe the pulled our end of the bargain. And then on the other end, you have, you know, Jim Irsay coming out and saying Matt Ryan more or less wasn't good enough. So, and I think players who really respect Matt Ryan are probably going to take that a little personal too, just because, again, it's not all on him. And again, I feel like Sam's in a very unique situation because to some degree, he cannot do any wrong. Like if he doesn't play great, it's like, oh, he's a six round pick. If he does play great, oh, he was a six round pick. It's nice it to come in without expectations that are through the roof. Exactly. But you're he's also not coming in. For that. He's not going to Right. Settle. Never. But he's also coming in with this pressure to perform for the veterans that did not come here to play with, like, not necessarily with him, but like, you know what I mean? Like for him in a sense. So it's a unique situation. I do think that this thing is, is, is probably going to get ugly before it gets better in the long term. And even in the, present i just feel like this team cannot score enough points to win games consistently and um we'll probably get more of the same when it comes to reaction from players the frustration frank reich looking defeated i mean who wouldn't after losing that game it just felt like i thought frank had a pretty good day yesterday all things considered i thought he had a good game plan for sam you can elaborate on this and i'll, and I'll hand it over to you but can you please <laughs> i felt like you know, and it's going to happen after every single game. We're going to get flooded with comments about his job status and whatever else. But I, I really did thought I really did think that he thought he called a pretty good game yesterday. I know people criticized the fourth down call where he didn't go for it. and It was like inches and he would have done it a thousand times in the past. But this team is different. And with the way that defense was playing, I liked the call. I supported the call. I, was, I probably would have done the same thing, thinking to myself, there's no way my defense, which has been lights out all day, is going to let them go 89 yards to win this game, which they did. But I felt like there's criticism to be had of Frank Reich. But in my opinion, objectively speaking, it was overall a pretty good called game for Sam Ellinger to kind of mask some of his deficiencies. I know they wish they had the, the goal line calls back. Maybe you go for it in that fourth down. But overall, what do you think of his uh, play calling? I thought he had a really good day. And I know that's an unpopular opinion and everybody wants Frank's head on a stick right now. And I understand that fans are frustrated and they're emotional on Sundays after disappointing games. And that was disappointing and heartbreaking in a lot of ways for the Colts. But I didn't like the third down call where they they ran the shotgun. I didn't like that at all. No problem taking points because they need points because they can't score. They cannot score. So you got to take the points in that situation. I would have punted late too. I would have. Now, it was a great punt from Sam Hawk. That was a great punt. Even a good punt makes them drive 80 yards. A great punt forced them to drive 89 yards. It's Taylor Heineke. You have a good pass rush and a great defensive line. I thought they would have finished it, that unit. They didn't. That's the gamble you take. But let's let's close this by talking about the quarterback, Sam Ellinger. I thought, I thought Frank did a good job of accentuating what Sam can do. And there was one interesting comment that Sam made a couple times in the press conference yesterday. I'm not sure if you caught this, but Sam wanted to make this point clear. He said, we proved we can be an explosive offense. He knows what the knocks are about him. The arm strength, 
the talent to get the ball down the field, the ability to go aerial and vertical and attack defenses deep. That ball to Alec Pierce was a beauty. It was right on the money. He led him just perfect. Pierce is a dude. Stay tuned for a story about him in the next couple of weeks on The Athletic. I've been working on that kind of behind the scenes. But that was an important throw. And I love the one down the sideline that got down to the commander's four-yard line where he just dropped it up in the air and right in Naheem Hines' lap. That was a dime as well. That was a perfectly placed throw. Probably a throw Sam Ellinger can't make a, a year ago. His accuracy has improved. His velocity has improved, as you saw in the 47-yarder to Pierce. I think he's out to prove that he's not just a game manager. And that's going to be the fun part of the next couple of weeks. I had an interesting conversation with Scott Milanovic, the QB coach, earlier in the week before Sam made a start. And he goes, look, the whole game within the game, he's going to excel at. Like, he loves the chessboard of, like, if they do this, we do this. If if we do this, what are they going to do? Like, Sam gets that part of football. He will get better week by week in that regard. If he has the physical tools, he could do some things. I mean, did the Colts get better at quarterback yesterday? You could make that argument. Now, I can't excuse the fumble because that was terrible, but it didn't really feel like that different of a game or that big of a demotion or that big of a you know, step down from Matt Ryan one week to Sam Ellinger in week two. And there were things that Sam Ellinger did unquestionably that Matt Ryan couldn't do escape pressure. You know, he moved up in the pocket. He threw with accuracy on the run, ran a couple times, ran, you know, for a first down. I and he's going to keep game. doing that. And he's going to get drives alive, keep them alive. And that's going to help their third down efficiency, which is middle of the pack right now. Their fourth down efficiency is 29th in the league. Their red zone efficiency is 26th in the league. His legs will help a little bit with that. But this is going to be a fun one in Foxborough on Sunday. I've never covered a win there. Been there a lot. Watched Andrew Luck lose there a couple times. I'm interested to see the chess match between Belichick, who has embarrassed young and rookie quarterbacks a lot in his career. Sam is not a rookie. He's a second year, but he's making his second start. And that's not the best court. That's not the best coach to do it against. But that's going to be fascinating. Let's play it, you know, week by week. And let's see. You know, the one thing I told myself yesterday I was not going to do was I, I was not going to overreact to one game from Sam Ellinger. It wasn't a terrible decision to go to him, I don't think. He gave the offense a little bit that they didn't have. He made some throws that I think he needed to make to prove he can play at this level. I'm not going to the point of anointing him the new franchise quarterback or anything like that, but that's what the next nine games are about. It's an uphill climb for him. He does have limitations, but if he gets better, they'll have a chance in some of these games. They will. There will probably be some exciting finishes, but I don't think it's going to end well. Where do you come down on that? I was just going to say, you know, while you were talking, but, but, but can you get in the end zone? That's the biggest question. Um, they had a chance yesterday with him. They'll have chances again. I don't think he's going to be some turnover machine or, but also I don't think he's going to be some just, you know, guy who goes off and gives you four touchdown passes and stuff like that. But can you let's just say get in the end zone as an offense twice. If that happens in a let's game, get crazy. Let's not I mean, get yeah. crazy. I mean, seriously, if they you get it against off, Jacksonville often, if you get in the end zone twice yesterday, you win the game. And so that's, that's my question. Like, and, and again, you had a loss this year where you, you know, the other team didn't even score an offensive touchdown and you lost by nine. So again, can your team punch it in when you get down there? Cause they, they've had no trouble really this season getting down there. We always go back and look at the total yards. And it's like, wow, they, they outgained them. Or they had, you know. Colts have the third most passing first downs in the league this year. I looked it up three times because I didn't believe it. 111 first downs through the air. Can you believe that? 
I mean, <laughs> can you believe they have 21 fumbles? Yes. So, yes, I've seen them all. That's why. I mean, it, it, but again, when you have the successes that you've had and then you counter, you know, just counter punch it really yourself, you know, with the with the mistakes, it, it becomes this middle of the pack offense that we've seen, this middle of the pack performance that we've seen. So that's my thing is like, if can can you give them a chance? Yes. But can you get in the end zone more than once in a game? I believe yesterday was their fourth game this season with one touchdown or less. That's how you lose that in turnovers. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. My first time going to Foxborough. Um, as a reporter, I've been to Boston before, never to Foxborough. Totally different. Um, totally different. It'll be, I know. Everyone like keeps saying it's like far Boston, out. Right? And yeah, so I guess I'll enjoy the ride out there and we'll see. But I, I do think that um, this, this season is sort of slipping away and we could see more frustration and just overall disappointment with what, you know, all of us thought was going to be at least better than this. I don't think anybody can say they expected the Colts to be one of the worst teams in NFL, you know, through eight weeks. I don't yeah. think that's it's it's hard to find so. hope, and that's the worst part. Because as a fan, the fans you out asked there, about it, you asked about it, you asked them about how do you not let that seep in? I've and, seen it. it I've seen it on their faces. Hard. I've heard it in their voices. I know. I know a locker room. I know it when I see it, and and you do as well from being in locker rooms a long time. Whether they say it or not, we'll be there every step of the way. That's our job. We still have some really interesting stuff coming. I know I've gotten a lot of questions on what the hell happened to the offensive line. That is what I'm digging into this week. I am talking to some experts to find out what happened to Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson. And I'm not even going to quote these guys in the story because I'm I'm just tired of hearing we need to be better. And those quotes don't do anything for me. They don't do anything for the reader. So I'm going to talk to some other people to find out what has happened to this offensive line. I know you're going to dig into one of the Colts' best players that is not himself right now, Jonathan Taylor. He doesn't look like himself to me. You've been watching him closely. It's not just the ankle. I mean, these numbers are staggering from where they were last year, literally dominating games with the run to where they are this year. It's not even a factor. And we've got some bigger pieces in the works as well. So if not a winning team, the Colts are nonetheless interesting, at least for now. Um, I can promise you that. Thank you for following us on The Athletic. Thank you for listening. You guys are the real heroes for watching that game yesterday and staying up to date with us. We will check in with you guys next week after we get back from Boston. Maybe we'll be writing about Sam Ellinger's first win. Maybe. Or maybe we'll be writing about Bill Belichick's 158th win against the Colts since 2000 or whatever it is. But it's never boring, and we'll be there. So thanks for listening. For, Zach, for, for James Boyd, this is Zach Kiefer. And this is 1% better.